Well, good evening, table. Oh, man. Let's try it one more time. Good evening, table church. Oh, that's so much better. Can we give it up one time for this band? And then keep going and give it up for God. Let's just clap and give God a great praise. Amen. Oh, wow. Uh, definitely exceeded our expectations of the five people we thought were going to be here. This has made me really nervous now. <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure to be in front of you this evening. Um, I'm, I, I thought that everybody would have been tired from the soccer game and would have gone home and gone to sleep. But so you showed up, and I'm really excited about that. Um, hopefully everybody's having a good summer. I'm having a decent summer. I'm back in the gym. I'm trying to work out a little bit and get my muscles up and uh, get myself in shape. Amen. Take a quick diet. Get rid of my little pouch that you all can't see because I hide it well underneath my shirt. I am going to read a scripture for you all, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Um, so you can follow me on the screen, or if you have your phones or whatever, you get your Bible on. We're going to go to James 1. James 1, we're going to start with verse 2. <clears throat> and this is what the scripture says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Somebody say perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not out. Let's pray. Gracious God, I am humbled that you allow me to even be in this place to present to my brothers and sisters your word. God, let it be that, your word. So move me to the back, Lord. Let me be a witness just like everyone else to how great you are, how wonderful you are, and speak. Speak through your Holy Spirit to all of us in this place, God. Move from breast to breast, from heart to heart, filling us with your love and your joy. We'll be careful to give you the praise that you're so deserving of. In the precious name of Jesus, everybody say amen. I am super excited to be heading off our new series for everyone. We are, over the next few weeks, wrestling with the book of James. So, are there any people named James in the building? Any, any James, middle names, last names? All right, so we've got to do better at our evangelism. <laughs> because growing up, I always had a James around me. James Richardson, James Teller, James Jackson. And then there were the people who had James as their last name, like Michael James. And there are no James in the building. Jess, we've got to do better at evangelism. We need a James. We need a James. We had one in the morning service. This was going to be my suggestion. If we had James... I was going to tell people that the best evangelism tool we have is you, so you should go home, put up the table's logo of James on your social media, and say, hey, look, the table's doing a, a whole service and series about me. That's why you should come. But we don't have any James, so you all let my joke fall flat, and it's okay. But no, in truth, we're talking about James, who is in the Bible, a.k.a. the half-brother of Jesus. 
And as we move through this series, there are a couple of things that you'll notice. Most notably, James highlighting of faith, the work required by faith, uh, wisdom, and you'll notice that he references a good bit the book of Proverbs, which is all about wisdom, speaks persistently about it, as well as Jesus' sermon on the mount. So there's a lot of different things you'll hear as we go through this series. One thing that James was no stranger to is just how intense it could be to follow Jesus. I was just saying to somebody the other day that I am honored to be called and appointed to serve in full-time ministry, but I oftentimes also lament over the burden of such a heavy responsibility. Ministry rewards remind me of the perks of retirement. Now, I know we're a pretty young crowd, but is there anybody retired in here? We didn't have a James. Do we have any retired folks? Man, you guys are not helping me out this evening. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Anyway, you don't truly ever get to enjoy the perks of ministry uh, until you've finished the years of hard work and can finally take joy in what you've been working towards. That's sort of like retirement. You, re- you work all your life, and then you get to a place where you can retire, and then you enjoy the wor- rewards. The rewards of ministry to me are the, is the salvation of God and the picture of heaven and what it looks like in my mind. That's when the work is over. So I've got this question that I want to start off with. That's a slide too soon. We'll go back. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I want you to wrestle with this just for a second. What complications are you facing in this season of your life during especially this year of 2019? I'm going to take a second. I want you to just think. It could be a couple of small issues that you have. It could be a really big problem that you have. What are the issues that you're facing during this season of life? Some of us approached and approach each new year, and we approach it with hesitancy and fear. And sometimes we get hesitant to even make New Year's resolutions because our thought is if we make a New Year's resolution, we know that by month two, we've already failed out somehow and we just aren't going to reach our goals. Too often, maybe one-fourth of the way year, through the year, we've already kind of stepped back and like, no, I'm just not going to do it. Even right now, there are a few of us that are encountering issues that are beating on us like blizzards out of Hades. We stepped into 2019 expecting clear blue skies, beaches, or at least warm conditions, only to find that 2019 has been cold, isolated, and desolated, just extremely hard. Perhaps the issue that you're facing is that you, you, have, you have complications in your job and your boss is just getting on your last nerves and the conditions in the environment that you work in are just chaotic and, and just all-out chaos. Or perhaps it's that you're in school and you won't graduate as soon as you think you will. Or you're going for your master's or your doctorate and it just looks like time is not on your side. Perhaps it's that you go home every night and you've got little kids that just will not be quiet at the 8 o'clock time that you set for them to go to sleep. And so you're up all night pulling out your hair because they're loud and you wake up the next morning with bags under your eyes. 
Or perhaps it's that you're married and your spouse just doesn't seem to be the same person you thought you were marrying. And they're getting on your nerves and you just go, how can I fix this? I.e., we all have some sort of issues and complications. Now, let me introduce the guy who talks a lot about these type of things. Now we can go to this picture. Uh, this is a picture that is pretty much one of the major pictures that we see of James, who is, again, the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, uh, born into the family, was not necessarily the most avid fan of Jesus. James had some issues with Jesus. I really think that James thought that Jesus was a little bit loony. He looked at his older brother and was like, okay, you do all these weird tricks and gimmicks. I don't know what's up with you, but something's got to give. We even see that Jesus didn't necessarily, I mean, James didn't necessarily believe in who Jesus was, even when Jesus was was dying on the cross. I imagine that maybe James was watching Jesus and going, you fool. You've played this King Messiah so long that you still won't give it up as they drag you to your death. How crazy are you? James was not a fan of Jesus. And we'll talk about this later, but it's not until James has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus that James even chooses to believe who Jesus was. And then the flip, the the script switches, and James becomes one of the top one of the top priests or one of the top leaders of the movement, the Jesus movement in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, he was the go-to guy for most of the Jews of that time who were followers of Jesus. And so, as James is writing this book, a couple of maybe years, maybe in the same year that he was martyred for following Jesus, he's writing to the 12 tribes of the Israelites Now, the 12 tribes of the Israelites are, from the Old Testament, the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's 12 sons. So, we have the tribe of Judah, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Zebulon, Issachar, Dan, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Ephraim, and Benjamin. Yes, I made it through it. These are the 12 tribes of the Israelites. And at this moment, the 12 tribes of Israelites are having extreme problems within their community because it was known that they did follow God. However, they did not all believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so it is that uh, James has had his conversion. He's a believer. And there are some Jews who are also starting to converge and go into their belief system of Jesus being the way. The problem is, where they are, the people are against this, like, small cult-type-ish thing that they have, and so they're being sent off to be murdered and brutally beaten for the fact that they chose to believe Jesus. So when James writes this scripture to them and writes this book to them, he's trying to instill some hope in the midst of the calamity that's going on. All right, point one. Point one is this. Tough times are inevitable when you set goals. Somebody say tough times. That's right. You're talking back to me. That helps me move. Tough times are inevitable when you set goals, no matter what your faith is. Even God himself had to endure tough times. Look at Jesus. God comes down as Jesus, 
And Jesus kind of states, he says, even in my own hometown, there is no honor for a prophet. Jesus doesn't have honor even in his hometown. And he spends most of the later years of his life trying to escape from the very people who are trying to take his life. Jesus is an outlaw, an outlaw really on the run. And people are trying to kill him for disrupting their system of faith and mostly power. Jesus is really on the run. There are other people, examples of maybe more current folks that I can give you. And you're still thinking about the issues that some of us face, because we're human as well. But anybody know about uh, the formula, formula 409? Anybody know the story behind formula 409? The formula 409 was actually called 409 because it took 409 times until they were able to get it right. So they didn't get it right until the 409th time. That's how many times that it took before they actually were able to establish the formula. Or even think about the Obamas when they got into office, being the first African Americans to take the Oval Office. Michelle Obama talks a lot in her book about how it was so many different things that they had to endure, remarks that they had to face, and moments that they had to be above what people expected from them because people thought that they were going to be a certain way. Or you could think of Steve Jobs, who was a creator of Apple and founder of Apple, who, gets, who starts Apple, starts to produce the products of Apple, and then gets fired from his own company. Talk about not being able to trust the folks around you. And even better yet, there's the story of Tyler Perry, who before he became the big Hollywood producer and star and filmmaker that he is, slept in his car for over a year on pure faith that he would get to where he was going. Question. How firm is your faith in yourself? How firm is your faith in your calling, in God's calling? It was extremely hard for the Jews of this time. They were people who lived what they thought to be decent lives. Not all the Jewish people were bad people. They believed in the law. They believed in God. They followed the Pharisees and Sadducees. In their minds, they were doing the right thing. They just did not want to accept that this man who came and was crucified was indeed the Savior. But here we are, and there's a new establishment. There are folks who believe that Jesus is the Messiah that was prophesied so many years ago. But there's, 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 there's a lot they have to give up in order to follow Jesus. In some cases, they have to give up their homes. In some cases, they have to sacrifice their children. In some cases, they have to sacrifice their parents. They're being persecuted by their own people. Their own neighbors are turning on them. If your neighbor decided that you were possibly a follower of Jesus, they could raise the flag and signal and letting people know, this family right here, they're against us. They need to be murdered. They need to be killed. They need to be stopped. They need to be wiped out. Everyone who says they're for you is not always for you. You've got to always check your circle and know who's around. The Jews are literally being dispersed and separated. In some cases, they're torn from their kids, separated from their loved ones, and the communities that raised them. I think often of the Holocaust or the slavery moments that happened in our country are over abroad. There were times when people were having to hide in the basements of people's houses, hoping 
that the people who they're entrusting their care to did not turn on them and turn them in to be killed. There are folks who are looking for their way to freedom in hopes that in the midst of the night as they walked with the Harriet Tubmans and the freedom, uh, freedom leaders of the world that they wouldn't be caught and sent back because if they were sent back, they were brutally beaten. Some people were actually hung in front of their kids. Some people were actually beaten by rocks and stoned to death in front of their kids. Some people were decapitated in front of their kids. Some kids were decapitated in front of their parents. I'm just trying to paint the picture of how real this was. In today's time, it's so easy to know that you can go to a 10-15 service over in Columbia Heights, or if you went to a soccer game and you missed it, you can come to a 5 o'clock service here in the evening. Either way, we have an option and a freedom to praise and serve the God that we chose to serve. In this day and time, it's just not so. You had, imagine yourself sitting in a small house in a living room somewhere, and you and the hymns and the praise songs that you know, you're having to whisper, Oh, freedom, oh, freedom, oh, freedom over me. Hoping that no one heard your praise. Because if they heard your praise, you had to choose whether or not you were going to face death or deny the God that you chose to serve. That's the picture. That's the picture of what the Jews who were following Jesus, had to face. Some of you have been in those shoes. Decisions you've made about standing firm on your own choices are often met with disdain. From bodily choices like wearing earrings or having braids. I often tell people, it's a true story, no offense to anyone, my grandmother was not the most liberal person growing up. She still isn't totally the most liberal person, and that's okay. I'm not saying you need to be. But she thought that earrings for guys were such a flamboyant gay thing. She thought that braids meant that you were a thug. So when I got earrings and grew my hair, I became a gay thug. And that was a horrible thing for me. Uh, some of us have chosen to get tattoos. And I knew not to get a tattoo because I was already a gay thug, and if I got a tattoo, I'd surely have been set out on the porch somewhere. Some of us have decided to pursue our dreams of being an artist. Some of us have lived into our dreams of wanting to be an entrepreneur. Or perhaps it was to move away from your family to a distant place like D.C. Some of you might have got, uh, some of you all might have had some resistance about choosing a school that wasn't the top choice of schools for you to go to or it didn't offer the most money. Some of you might be persecuted for living is openly gay. Some of you might face criticism for dating outside of your race. Some of you are being ostracized for many different reasons and many different choices. So James, James, knowing this about the Jews, he reaches out at a time when they need it. Knowing that all that's taking place and the torment that Christ's followers are facing, he instructs them and he says something they might not want to hear when they're going through it, but that they necessarily need to hear. He says in the scripture, greetings, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance 
finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives it generously to all without even finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must have faith, you must believe and not doubt. James, <laughs> brother of the Messiah, what are you talking about? This crap is hard. The complications are too tough. Do you understand? We'll literally be brought out of where we are and slaughtered. We are facing death. Count it all joy. Keep that mess to yourself. I don't want to hear it. Do you understand what's happening? I find myself in the tough moments quoting the famous lines from Alice Walker's The Color Purple. You guys have seen this movie. And Sophia, we've got a picture of Sophia played by the wonderful Oprah Winfrey. That's her. She says, all my life I had to fight. Langston Hughes. I'm sorry. Yeah, Langston Hughes in a poem called Mother to Son. He says, life for me ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tacks in it and splinters and places with no carpet on the floor. What do you mean, James? What do you mean, count it all joy? We're being persecuted, annihilated, embarrassed, tormented. We are dying. It was here that even I got a little choked up. I shared this story with you more than once. Many of you know this story. No stranger myself to understanding James a little bit. It was 2016, Easter Sunday. The Table Church had decided to launch a morning service. Kevin had asked that I would come in and help to do that, and so we did. We launched it Easter morning. And it was just a week later that I was awakened to the news of the death of my younger brother. I asked, I said, God, what? What does this mean? We just launched an incredible community, a diverse community in the name of Jesus. And then you took my younger brother. I've never faced death like this, and yet you expect me. And though the table was gracious in giving me time to heal, God, you still expect me to get up and to praise you? You still expect me to speak hope and faith and love to your community? What are you talking about, God? I can't do that. I don't get it. I listened to the countless people at my brother's funeral who talked about how he had motivated them and he supported them and he gave them inspiration and yet I'm burying him in the casket. God, what are you doing? Speak, Lord. Speak. I related to James. But the issue of James was I, I, I imagine that James had even more hurt and pain because, G, because James chose not to even believe who his brother said he was. The regret. I imagine James watching Jesus on the cross thinking what foolery this fool is doing, not admitting that he's lying the whole time and coming down, and now knowing a different story. 
Not even in death did James choose to believe, oh, he's gone. Maybe it's good he's gone. Our family can get rid of that clown. It's not until the encounter with the resurrected Jesus that James converts into a believer. Has anyone ever had a moment with the resurrected Jesus? Has anybody ever talked to the resurrected Jesus? This is James' encounter with the resurrected Jesus, after which James becomes himself a believer of Christ. But he also becomes a runner from persecution. It's now that we understand that as James is talking to the Jews who have chosen to follow Jesus, that he's speaking from a place that he can relate. He understands the feeling of being ostracized. He understands also the joy of separation. Ultimately, the trust and the trials that come To James, they separate him now from the rest of the society that he had once blended so well with, but it's also that separation that causes him now to understand the joys of the trials and the tribulations that come when you believe and confess your love to Jesus. We see that this encounter between James and the resurrected Jesus is documented in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, Verse number three, he says, Paul writes, For what I received, I passed on to you, is of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. James has first-hand experience with knowing and encountering the true and living Jesus. And as a witness to the promise of victory over the adversary and over the trials and death, James finds faith is the result. James is ultimately inspired and becomes extremely loyal to the calling to be a witness for Christ. He is now willing to endure, come what may, to press on and see what the end will be. I believe that James began to look at faith as a muscle of perseverance. Now, I've got a picture to talk about muscles, and I want to show you a picture of me. That's me. I didn't expect such laughter. That's, that's me, uh, and this is what I look like at least in my mind. Now, most of you scholars know that in order for our muscles to be built, they must first be torn. After you work out, your body repairs or replaces damaged muscle fibers through a cellular process where it fuses muscle fibers together to form new muscle protein strands or myofibrils. These repaired myofibrils increase in thickness and number to create muscle hypertrophy. In other words, whenever you go to work out, much like I do, when you go to the gym, every time that you lift or you bench press or you do your sit-ups and your push-ups, when you lift, your muscles are actually being torn. And every time that you tear them, the healing process of them coming back together, the fibers as they come back together, they build and they get stronger 
and they get healthier, and you look a lot like me. Point two, your faith is the root of your joy. And I would even go so far as to say the strength of your faith is the root of your joy. What I think James is illustrating here is that what I admire, well, first of all, what I admire about the Jews is that they could have stayed true to the, who people wanted them to be. They could have denied their faith. They could have stayed in their homes. They could have stayed in the communities and with their families, and they could have avoided the disruption, right? They could have chosen to just live normally as they already were. They could have said, you know what, we believe in God, and we believe in the law, and we do not believe in this Messiah. They could have kept that a secret. But they instead chose to stick true to their beliefs. They held tight to their faith. They climbed those stairs that Langston Hughes talked about that had tacks and splinters in them. I believe this evening that God wants to remind you that in this season, and as we travel through the book of James, that the winds of life will blow. That the rain just might fall. That the hard decisions and the imminent choices, they are going to arise. The pressure is on and the fire is going to burn. But James offers a change of perception. James understood that we are the muscles of Jesus, that the tests and trials are inevitable. James learned a lot of wisdom from his big brother, J.C. He learned that perseverance is merely the repairing of the fibers of your faith. He figures that if we're truly to rise through our calling and into the maturity of faith, that if we want to build our faith to see the promises of Jesus, we would welcome a little faith exercise. That if we truly wanted to experience the promises of Jesus that he preached about on the mount, we would welcome a little gym time for our faith. James was spreading the faith that can be found the faith that is found in Jesus is Jesus made his way to his execution on the hills of Golgotha. James was spreading the faith and the joy of people like Dr. Martin Luther King who had a dream. James was exploring the faith of the responders to 9-11 as they walked into the smoke and the fire and the debris of the Twin Towers. James is expressing the faith of the diverse leaders on the front lines of the Civil Rights March as they fought through water hoses and unleashed dogs. James is expressing the faith of the LGBTQ community who fight continuously for gender and marriage equality. James is expressing the faith of the Black Lives Matter movement. James finally is expressing the faith of Oscar Alberto Martinez Ramirez and his two-year-old daughter, Valerie, is they lost their lives trying to cross the river into freedom. James is expressing the joy of faith. Is I... Ponder about such faith, about who we're called to be to the community that we're called to serve. I reflect on one of Paul's most touching writings to the church of Rome and Romans. Romans chapter 9, he says this 
at the same time, you need to know that I carry with me at all times a huge sorrow. It's an enormous pain deep within me, and I'm never free of it. I am not exaggerating. Christ and the Holy Spirit, they are my witness. It's the Israelites. If there were any way I could be cursed by the Messiah so that they could be blessed by him, I'd do it in a minute. They are my family. My brothers, my sisters, I implore you, is we wrestle and go through the book of James, is James implores you to build your faith and ignites a call to action, I pray that you are extremely uncomfortable. I pray that you are agitated up out of your seats to do more, to be more, and to live out the call to not only build your faith, that you are led to more action. That you be willing, like Jesus. That you be willing, like Martin Luther King Jr. That you be willing, like Oscar Alberto Martinez Ramirez, to grow your faith so strong that you would choose, like Paul, to die for your community to live. Count it all joy is your faith is built. Let us pray. Gracious God, what a mighty God you are. What a sovereign God you are. What a holy God you are. God, we need you. We need you to love us through the tough times. God, as we at this church seek another pastor, as leadership tries to step up and fill the void, God, is chaos and trials and tribulation face every person in this room. It's chaos faces our communities where we live. It's hurt and bitterness stream through the streets of our city and our neighboring states, God, we look for you. Help us to find the joy in the hard times. Help us to welcome the hard times, knowing, God, that if we are patient and faithful, that you are just. Remind us that even though the rewards might not come in this life, we fight to make it to the next. Let us do so together. Let us be each other's armor bearers. Let us be each other's shoulders to lean on. Let us be each other's communities of hope and joy. God, we love you. We need you. We honor you. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus that all of us say amen. Oh.